Faces come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times, somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago just to up and leave it All right, folks, today we're continuing the tour of Upland Openers across the United States, and I'm joined by a trio of guests to bring us up to speed on a Western quail hunting outlook for the season ahead and the season at present in some states. Uh, Returning to the podcast is Andy Edwards, Program Manager for Quail Forever, and Andy will be grabbing the steering wheel from me and leading much of today's conversation as we talk with Casey Cardinal, the resident game bird biologist for New Mexico Game and Fish Department, and also the chair of the Western Quail Working Group. And we also have with us making her Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever inaugural podcasting debut she's in witness protection right now because she's in <laughs> she's on my screen in, in, in the dark and it, it's very entertaining uh lauren stam <laughs> relatively new regional representative for us uh at quail forever in the southwestern united states and in their roles uh, casey and lauren field a lot of questions from folks traveling to go bird hunting in the West in search of Western quail and other upland species, including chuckers. Um, So today we will work um, to answer some of the questions that they hear a lot uh, from folks traveling West, and we'll highlight uh, what's happening in the forecast, what's happening habitat-wise in our Western states. So without further ado, I'm going to go around the horn, ask each of our guests to introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about where they're from, what they do for a living, and of course, we want to hear about their bird dogs. So starting with Casey Cardinal, uh, Casey, thank you very much for making the time to join us. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Um, well, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm actually a Midwesterner as well. I grew up in Wisconsin uh, and went to UW-Madison. And then I've kind of lived all over the West doing tech jobs. Um, My grad work was at Utah State. And now I live in New Mexico. And I I live in Santa Fe and work out of the state office there. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm with New Mexico Game and Fish. And I'm our resident game bird biologist. So... I work on quail, turkey, uh, the hundred or so pheasants we have in the state, and <laughs> grouse. <laughs> but, um, and then, of course, my bird dog is a German short hair. Because they're the best. So. <laughs> well, what's your short hair's name? Ellie. Very nice, Ellie. And we won't hold it against you, or we'll try not to hold it against you that you're a Badger fan. Oh, I definitely am a better fan. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin in the house. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you going to do jump around for us at some point during the conversation? Sure, if, you, if you blast the music, I'll be jumping <laughs> <around>. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us and, and share a little bit about the, the Western United States. I know that, you know, 
New Mexico is one of the uh, best kept secrets in the upland world. So we're going to break that secret wide open at some point today. Uh, moving to Lauren. Thank you very much, Lauren, for, for joining us while in witness protection. <laughs> uh, it's great to, to have, have you on. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me as well. Um, I, my room is dark because I there's so much sunshine behind me that yeah. it's just uh, <laughs> pouring in. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm actually born and raised out of Las Vegas. Um, I live in a suburb, Henderson, Nevada, just mm. uh, essentially Las Vegas. Um, mm. I did not grow up hunting. Started hunting in my 20s, um, and my background's actually nursing. I'm a, mm. a cardiac ICU nurse. And as of July, I started with Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, as a Southwestern uh, regional rep. Um, I did help start the Southern Nevada chapter uh, kind of from the ground up, so I had experience with that. But I'm very excited to be here, be part of the team. So we, we've got to ask a little bit more about that transition to go from nursing to being a quail forever a pheasants forever regional representative that that had there had to have been some sort of life-changing moment there for you oh absolutely yeah from the from the hospital to conservation they, they definitely not a, a traditional jump for sure um i have a five-year-old and my husband works a busy schedule and being able to work a lot from home doing something that i'm incredibly passionate about it was it was an easy an easy change hmm that's super cool. Yeah. We don't have any other cardiac um, specialists, nurse uh, on staff. So uh, if if we're at a um, future team meeting together and Andrew, Andy tells a, uh, um, a really rough joke, you might be called in to help. You could be. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I was thinking if I was out West hunting and I was trying to go up another one of those mountains, those little hills, as you all say, after mm. uh, Mern's. I might need I might need some help. Right. What about dog power, Lauren? Um, I have a wire hair pointing griffon uh, named Kova. She's four, and I have a pretty young English setter. He's about ten months old now, named Arlo. Awesome. Very Arlo, Arlo Guthrie. My I think it's more from the dinosaur movie. Oh, okay. The movie. My, <laughs> I, I, I even offered to name him Rex after T Rex, and my son insisted on Arlo. So here we are. <laughs> there we are. Very yeah. nice. All right, Andy. Uh, you know you're you're becoming a a, a frequent um, takeover host here, so folks are getting to know you. But go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for folks that haven't heard you yet. Yeah, thanks, Bob. At least you didn't say pest, so we're still doing okay. <laughs> we're good. Uh, we're, we're good. So um, Andy Edwards, I'm the program manager for Quail Forever, and um, that's a very vague description of a job that. Uh, was actually a new position created here about two and a half years ago to elevate the brand of Quail Forever within our Pheasants Forever framework, network, if you will. Um, a whole lot goes on every day in that organization of, gosh, I saw the employee count two days ago, 517 employees. Um, but of that, part of my role is to tell that 46% of those are, are doing quail work out on the ground every day. And so that's pretty awesome. And um, we're proud of all the work that Quail Forever's done and kind of standing on the shoulders of giants with, with Pheasants Forever and really growing fast as a, as a component of that, that organization. And uh, just really awesome to see all the impact out on the ground and our, 
our chapter resource base growing as well. So um, every day I, I spend basically helping elevate great stories that are out there or make new connections with people that are in the organization that haven't met each other and figured out that they can kind of work better collectively or possibly outside of our organization and introducing our brand to new partners on the commercial side or the resource side, um, just all, all different kinds of things together. So yeah, most days are, are very different. It's good for an ADD kind of person like, <laughs> to get to bounce around all day long. And, and what kind of bird dogs is an ADD person having? Oh man, see? well, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is the reveal here. It's a little scary because I don't even have it yet, but, um, I have a seven-year-old short hair that uh, we're going we're gonna to be heading to the grouse woods very, very soon. But apparently, I'm also going to be getting an English cocker here in a couple of days. It's a very strange set of circumstances that came about <laughs> that happened. But I did show my wife and kids a picture of 10-week-old cocker puppies, and that kind of sealed the deal. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be one of those guys here soon again. I, I, I had a lab for years, and so I'm going to... I'm going to be dual rolling it here pretty soon. So will you train your short hair and cocker puppy to, so the short hair point and then release the cocker into the flush or what, do you not have that high of uh, expectations? Sure. I mean, yeah. I, can, I can lie and say that that's the ultimate goal. Right. No, it is the ultimate goal. Sure. Uh, it, it will be some, if you've ever hunted with me, you know that it's uh you know, it's kind of a, we're going to have fun whenever we hunt, but it's not always the prettiest thing in the world. So I do expect though, like hopefully, you know, pheasants, that dog will be great to work with my short hair. Um, I'm hopeful on grouse that the dog will work close enough that we can still move some birds and not go crazy. We'll see. Um, quails to be, to be, uh, to be determined. My, my short hair, um, she's pretty good, but she's not going to stay there for 10 minutes. And so when she sees a little ball of fire coming in, she might be, she, she might break. So we'll find out. And will the, will the youngsters be able to pick the name or no, is it, no, <laughs> no. So All is right. the name already picked? It's already been laid down. No, we don't have it yet, but like we, so we got, we're, we're cat and dog already. We're kind of, my, my buddy Tim says we're the no kill animal shelter around here. We got six dogs, six cats. Oh, we have a peaches, a peaches, a biscuits, a cookie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, not those are, those are some of the cats' names. I love them. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, the kids and and sometimes most of the time the cats. But um, yeah, this is this this is going to be one that I can yell and not sound silly because you know peaches. Fluffy, I don't, no, precious. Come here, come here, precious. scooter. No, that's not uh, happening. So we're we're gonna figure that out. Uh, fun. All right, folks. Uh, transition here, but before I do that, I want to shout out to Onyx Hunt. Proud supporter of Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever national sponsor and sponsor of On the Wing podcast and all sorts of habitat initiatives and public land initiatives. Initiatives Can't say enough good things about Onyx Hunt. And for you, the listener, if you use um, the code PFQF at onyxhunt.com, you can get 20% off your purchase um, at onyxhunt.com and onyx will donate a portion of your purchase back to pheasants forever and quail forever's habitat mission so at every single turn onyx is a tremendous supporter 
of our upland habitat conservation mission, and it's a darn right tremendous tool for everybody that chases dogs around the upland. So with that, um, Andy, go ahead and and lead lead us into the meat of the conversation, Western Quail Forecast. Thank you, Bob. I would I would say just as an, an add in to that on X conversation, I'm not a huge tech guy. Like I, I love the idea of going out there and doing traditional things, but if you aren't using Onyx, you're missing out. Like it's it's just a total game changer. No matter where you're at, east, west, north, south, you you need to be checking it out and using it. But all right, let's let's hop in here with we're gonna take uh, take uh, just a second to talk with Casey, and we're gonna talk about some other stuff that Casey's been doing. You said turkeys, quail, pheasants, grouse. But you did not mention the bird that you've been working on lately, pretty pretty heavily. So tell us a little bit about well, that. Ptarmigan is a grouse, uh, but yeah, we've been Show, doing a bunch. Shows of my ignorance work. there. No, that's okay. It's all gallinaceous birds, and they're all good. Um, yeah, we've been working a lot on ptarmigan lately. So uh, New Mexico is the southern extent of the white-tailed ptarmigan range, and. They do struggle a little bit here, uh, mostly because uh, snow pack hasn't been as uh, reliable the last 40 years, we can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyways, the birds were translocated to New Mexico in the 80s, and they were extirpated, and so we're trying to bring them back in. So two years ago and this year, we moved birds from Colorado to New Mexico. Uh, so yeah, we're running around with catch poles trying to grab time again. It's been really fun. <laughs> Very cool. People ask me like, man, what do you do all day? What do you get to do for a living? I sit on teams calls and like you, you get to go catch ptarmigan I, with a catch pole. I, I mean, get to run goodness. around in the alpine and grab ptarmigan. I get to sit and grab turkeys. My job is amazing. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. All right. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I think we would be remiss without starting kind of in your home state. Let's let's we're going to take a journey around. We're going to we're going to go kind of clockwise there. And uh, but let's start out looking at um, maybe actually I, I said that, but, you know, we want to make sure we kind of give our your it would be your eastern neighbors mm-hmm. uh, in Texas and Oklahoma a little bit of a nod for kind of things, how they're looking on their western quail species uh the, the scale quail or blue quail and um and then move right on into arizona or right on into new mexico yeah absolutely so like you mentioned we start getting into western quail when we hit texas oklahoma kansas uh for those who are interested and in, and in heading out for a western quail slam if you're coming from the east it's always kind of nice to get out and stretch the legs once we get to those states um i think from what I've heard from Oklahoma, they're having a pretty decent year. Most of their harvest is going to be bogs, but that as you start to get into the panhandle mm-hmm. and you get into, I think, the Cimarron grasslands kind of areas, right. uh, that's where you start getting into those scalies. And, and they've got public land. I know it's kind of a surprise in those Midwestern, like mid-plain states. Um, but, yeah, so that'd be a good start. Uh, but, you know, you don't really actually start getting into western quail until you get into Mexico because right. we've got different species and it's a pretty epic state and it is not well known. 
so I am a little bit sad just because I, it's fun to get out there. I hear, there it. I hear the trepidation in your voice. <laughs> but um, it'd be hard not to sell New Mexico because we've got a lot of everything and, and it's really kind of a fun hunt out here. Definitely yeah. a fun hunt out here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So what, what species are available there of quail? So if you come in from Oklahoma and Texas, you could hit Bob White. Uh, you're basically straddling that border and you're in um, shrub grasslands, just like when you're in western Oklahoma or western Kansas. Uh, and as soon as you hit the border, you're getting into our scale quail range. Most of the southern part of the state will end up having scale quail. Um, there's really solid uh, shrublands in that west or southern part of the state. Mm -hmm. Pretty much anything south of I-40, I tell people, is like where you want to start your hunt. Sure. Um, we've got a ton of BLM land, a ton of state trust land, some pretty decent state wildlife management areas, all open for quail. Um, yeah, so just get in New Mexico, start your, your scaly hunt, and then head west and you get into gambles and if you hit our mountain ranges you get into montezuma so uh us in arizona and maybe texas i can't remember if you can hunt gambles in texas but we're the three states that have four species of quail Great. i guess california too i think you can hunt gambles but i don't think you can mm -hmm. hunt merns in montezuma that is right yes mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. Great. So what's the outlook like for this year in New Mexico? Well, if you're interested in scalies, it looks better mm -hmm. than the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of people who call me, they want to talk about how it compares in 2015, 2016. <laughs> we had epic years, yeah. like quail everywhere. Sure. Um, it is not like that, but you will still find birds this year. Yeah. Great. Uh, we had decent June moisture, and that ends up getting off a pretty decent scale quail hatch. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that for folks who come, they'll be having a good time. Maybe you're not seeing 14 cubbies a day. Maybe you're seeing, like, six cubbies a day. And for those who haven't hunted scale quail, that's a lot of running because that's... there are a lot of running. So. Yeah. That's a yeah. pretty good hunt. It is. And cubby sizes are, like, what's a standard, typical kind of scaly cubby size? So in a year like this, I would probably say anywhere from 20 to 40 birds. Yeah. And then epic year, we're hitting, like, 80 birds. But it, it won't be like that. Sure. So. Sure. Mm -hmm. But that's still, like, just, you know, double to triple what you would think of for, for Bob White uh, cubby yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. of course it varies. I mean, sure. you'll find big cubbies, you'll find small cubbies, but yeah, yeah. it should be a, a decent 20 bird year. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a lot of birds running out ahead of you. Yeah, I'm it sure. is. And you can only flush like three of them, it turns yeah. out. So. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm getting the ones here, the, the ones that are definitely, you know, <laughs> getting the Darwin Award here in the back. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, great. Um, you got any kind of top spots or any, any areas that we would want to kind of, or insider tips that we would want to look at? Yeah, this year, I'd say that if you're going to hunt eastern New Mexico, 
moisture conditions probably were better above 380. So that's that's the highway that runs from Roswell east to the border. And so just some of those BLM and state lands seem to maybe produce a little bit better. I know that in the past, Hobbs, Carlsbad, Artesia have been more of a hot spot, but they're just going to be okay this year. And so maybe okay. if you want to get away from more people, you want to hit that area. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I think that a little bit further north is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I guess we could talk about gambles because it's shaping up to be a, a pretty decent gambles year for us in Arizona, if you're talking about heading west. Yeah, so our, our, Yeah, our southwest looks good if you're if you're interested in gambles. Um, yeah, I think that uh, that'd be worth selling for sure. I, I I've only hunted them once, and that was pretty dang fun. You know, the the we we were in kind of the areas where it was a mix. You would you would be in gambles if you were in the low brushy draws, the quote creeks. Oh, there's no water anywhere, and then up on the sides of the hills where there might be grass. Uh, you could you could possibly get into um, drainages, Andy. Drainages, drainages. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, Andy. If you're hitting gambles, you those guys love shrubby, thick habitat. They mm. love mesquite. So basically, anything that stabs you—that's yep. the kind of shrub oh, that yeah. they want to be in. Um, yep. And yeah, they're runners too, but. They're, they're a whole lot of fun, and those cubbies get real big, so they, yeah. they're, they're a blast. You know, whether it's New Mexico or Arizona, what I, I did notice is I was totally afraid to carry a dog out, you know, just being mm-hmm. from Tennessee and thinking there's no way I'd want to carry my dog. Well, so the first time I didn't do it with, with my own dog, I would I would absolutely do it, you know, when I go again, it'll be with my dog, and so... I think that's something people should know. Yeah, you got you probably want to avoid the the true desert areas. Um but where we were, yes, everything will stick you and stab you, but the ground itself like it it's not sandbar covered like some areas in the Midwest can be, you know, right on the edge of the roads or or worse than I saw conditions for dogs in in Arizona. So um I'd say if yeah. you got dogs with good conditioning and good feet, you probably could do it. Yeah, I mean, I I take my dog, and I, I did have some friends visit from the Midwest, and one issue we ran into is just it's really rocky ground. Mm. And so if you're bringing multiple dogs, I just recommend rotating them more often. If your dogs are good with boots and you want to give that a go, like, that's a way to preserve feet sure. for a bit. And, yeah, there's definitely things you could do, but I – you should totally bring your own dog out here because sure. it makes the hunt so much more fun too. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm right there with you, Andy. The first time I went to Arizona, yeah. I, I flew in and hunted with some friends and a guide. And next, you know, it got done hunting. I'm like, next time, there is no way I'm coming here without yeah. my own dog. And we drove 25 hours, two and a half days, <laughs> and rolled up to a spot on the New Mexico-Arizona border I swear to God, I let my, both my short hairs out and a hundred yards out of the truck pointed in honor and like instantly they were locked in on scaly scalies. And, you know, of course I flock shot and didn't hit a single feather, 
which was totally fine. But, you know, it's amazing how easily bird dogs can adapt to cover and yeah. avoid cactus and and really pick up the scent of a, a bird. You know, Casey mentioned gallinaceous birds. Like a quail smells like a grouse, which smells like a pheasant. And, you know, we yeah. just don't give enough. I mean, dogs can smell blood oh. sugar and cancer. They can tell of scaly quail, you know. It's, it's yeah. so, in good grief, it is so awesome to go to in January to one of these states and they have uh, in-laws that live in or sister-in-law that lives in Santa Fe and you know going down to New Mexico in January it, it, we're blowing this up Casey it, you you live in you live in a terrifically kept upland secret and that is no longer going to be the case after this you know speaking of arizona we, we have talked quite a bit about arizona in the last few years and i think it's gained some notoriety i i know we've covered it in quite a few of our journal um stories and um you know people want to go to both of those states to get kind of the, the the desert the southwest slam if you will or whatever you want to call it but um for this year from things that i'm reading you know Mern's reports aren't great. Uh, it's a little tougher to tell on them anyway, but um, kind of like you mentioned for New Mexico, Gambles looks looks pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I I think for those who are interested in the slam, it's still worth it to sure. pop in some areas and look for Mern's because no, monsoon wasn't as good as last year, but what was kind of wild about us for Montezuma's this year is we had birds calling in January, which wow. is just wild. So I don't know if they maybe tried to give some random breeding attempts during not the peak season, but sure. yeah. And, and our reports haven't been trash. They've been fine. So yeah, yeah I, I think Great. we're, we're still holding on from last year's good months. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you mentioned monsoons, and for for people from the east, um, I I think of a monsoon rain in Tennessee is like we got seven inches. You know, yeah. like it was ridiculous. <laughs> like what would what would a a standard monsoon rain in an area be? So I I don't know if there's a standard. It's sure. basically for us is anything that comes from July to September. Oftentimes they're in the afternoon, and good monsoon rains will be. Man, if we get seven inches in a month, one of those months, I'm so happy. I'm, like, beyond happy. But usually it's just, like, a quick burst, the clouds come through, boom, they're gone. Uh, But, yeah, it's still enough to get some of that late season freedom. Sure. So an inch would be a a huge rain. Uh, And some parts of the – that's perfect. Because you're getting seven inches. I I think in eastern New Mexico we did that, and it's flooding. Oh, sure. Crazy flooding. It just doesn't soak in with right. the lack of vegetation like it will out east. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. No organic matter on the, like, the it's rock. Yeah. The, the dirt is basically little bitty rocks. I mean, there's not much organic matter. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that's a great report on both of those states. And I think it's something that we want you to... Listen to us, of course, but also go and reference that quail hunting uh, forecast on quailforever.org 
because it's going to it's going to dial down into more specifics in certain areas or maybe even bird species that you're hunting so definitely go and reference that make sure you check those those out um lauren speaking of that i, I say all that and then i'm going to mention a state that does not have a report on there and that's that's your home state of nevada so tell us about what's what what the forecast and the outlook looks like here for you you get the chance right now to to set us all straight <laughs> on what it looks like for for your yeah, home state nevada is um is very similar to Arizona this year. Um, the the birds to hunt in Nevada are gambles, chucker. Um, we do have some grouse central in the state, and we do have mountain quail, um, kind of central on the California border. Um, mm. And then further north into Nevada, we have huns and valley quail or California quail as well. So there's definitely a lot of birds to chase here, in addition to um, the only snowcock in the state, but that's kind of a whole different type of adventure. Yeah. Um, but our, our Southern Nevada Quail Forever chapter, they did assist on Nevada Department of Wildlife um, and helped set out trail cameras at a lot of the guzzlers to help conduct. Um, the, this last two years is the first time they've ever done a survey in Southern Nevada. Oh, um, so they were able to collect over a million photos. There's a lot of data to comb through. Um, but this year is significantly better than last year in terms of gambles and chucker. Uh, right. The, the few years prior, it was we had a severe, severe drought. Um, so it's, it's going to take a couple of years to fully recover from that. But compared from last year to this year, um, the numbers are, are really, really good. We're seeing some of the gambles have two, um, two broods this year. So we're seeing different yeah. age chicks on our cameras, which is oh, great. really exciting. Yeah. For chucker, I know there's, there's a lot of, uh, hardcore chucker guys out there that are real interested in coming to Nevada. Nevada's kind of the Mecca of chucker. Um, and Northern Nevada for sure is going to be a great year. It's going to be better than last year. We had a ton of winter rain, lots of green up for the chicks. So, so central to Northern Nevada is going to be great. Southern Nevada chucker is, is definitely improved as well, as well as our gamble numbers. Um, but it's, if you're traveling to Nevada specifically for trucker, I, I would stick to central to Northern Nevada. For okay. sure. Southern Nevada holds trucker, but definitely not in the type of numbers that they have further north. Wow. You know, you just rolled through a bunch of different species and I think maybe we've unearthed another hidden, hidden gem there. I mean, it's like, yeah. well, if you haven't hunted, you know, New Mexico, you got to go, well, if you hadn't hunted Nevada, you got to go there. Um, it's, uh, gosh, I just, the diversity out West is amazing. And if, and, and, uh, I know, uh, Casey and I had this conversation one day concerning the Western quail working group, but, there's opportunities. It's big country. It's not like it's a two hour drive from these, you know, state to state, but it's big country. And if you love an adventure and you want to get out and burn some, burn some tires, uh, burn some rubber and some shoe leather, you can, you can buy, you know, some licenses, just a two, three day license in several different states. And there's so much public opportunity. And if you're using Onyx, you'll, you'll know where it's at. You'll kind of get dialed into what that habitat looks like on Onyx. And you can just roll through two, three states. And certainly, if you had a week, you could absolutely do that. Maybe even four states. Yeah, for sure. I think maybe, I would say 10 days. Um, if yeah. You could, if you could allot 10 days, I, I, you could definitely hit two to three states in 10 days. And yeah. 
and get some great opportunity. Nevada has some has the most public land, I believe, other than Alaska. So I think, yeah. yeah. There's there's hot springs to check out. There's a lot of fun camping opportunities, even if you wanted to bring the family along, you could kind of turn it into a multi multi sure. adventure type of type yeah. of trip. I lived one summer, worked out there in north central Nevada and uh, about an hour north of Elko and high desert, you know, beautiful sagebrush country. Um, it is not it is not all similar to the area around Las Vegas, although that's beautiful, too, but very diverse north to south. Casey, yeah. did you have something? Yeah, I, I was out for a second, but did you mention California quail in Nevada as well? I heard that they're having a really good california year um or i guess valley quail i'm i'm gonna have trouble switching over <laughs> no yeah yeah yeah, quail. But yeah, yeah. Um, to sound, he it, yeah he made it sound like valley quail in the state were gonna be really good this year too as well as california Great. because yep. i i think california saw the most snowpack and rain that they've seen in a very long time mm. i don't have concrete numbers or facts but we, we were looking at doing a spring trip um, kind of in central to northern California, and none of the roads were even open. It was still, mm. I saw pictures of like 10 feet of snow on the side of the roads, and it they, they had uh, quite a winter, which, if it takes too long to melt, can impact some of those spring, those early spring sure. broods. But I think for most of California and northern Nevada, it's, it's going to be a better hunting year than last year. Oh, great. It's interesting because when we think about snows, Im snow impacts in the Midwest or East, that's a detriment typically, you know, long, long snowpack, long icing, that sort of thing. But for the West, it's, it's providing that valuable moisture that is, you know, it's, it's helping stuff to grow for months after it melts off. So that's, that's really a neat, you know, difference from what we're kind of programmed to think in the East. Bob, did you have something? Well, I was just going to say, you know, everybody thinks about Nevada and equates it to Las Vegas, and there's millions of people that go oh. to Las Vegas every year. And a couple years back, you know, there's a big trade show for our community, the Shooting, Hunting, Outdoor Trade Show, SHOT Show in Vegas. And a couple years, I tagged on two days after SHOT Show, and I went gambles hunting, staying in Las Vegas. I'd wake up at 6 a.m. and drive one hour, just one hour outside of Vegas, and I was on BLM land, thanks to Onyx. You have it in your hand, and you know where you are, and you're, you can be out bird hunting one hour away from Vegas. So you think about all the people that go there for, you know, Super Bowl weekend or just a, a winter getaway, and, you know, rather than spending your entire time on the Vegas Strip, pat, you know, add an extra day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe look up a guide, somebody that can help you with some bird dogs and uh, explore the Nevada desert. And it's just, is it, uh, help me out, Lauren, is it Joshua Tree National Forest? Is that outside of Vegas? Am I remembering that correctly? There, that's, it's more in California, but there, there is kind of, um, there's, a, there's an area south kind of south of Henderson that is like a protected area that has a lot of Joshua trees. Okay, so I maybe have got the name wrong, but I remember just singing you 2 in my head the entire time because <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, I mean, nice. I, it was, it was Joshua Tree something. 
um, and that we were hunting around. It was just gorgeous, yeah. stunning. Is there a national you, monument there? Is that right? It, 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 yeah. Maybe that, I, I, I was so ah. focused on birds. I remember just being like, you know, you think about the desert and you fly over into, into Vegas and you're like, wow, I wonder if anything lives here. And then you get out into the desert and you're out looking and it's like, is it just teeming with life? You, you just got to look um, a little closer. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful place. It's, it's really fun on our, some of our trail camera photos. We have pictures of kit foxes and mm. badgers. We have this one badger that was out all day long. Uh, road runners yeah this it's sometimes driving through it just looks like this bleak desolate place like how could there be any life and in, in you oh, sure. park your car and take a walk and it's it's incredible yeah it really find. is it, it, whether you have a shotgun and a bird dog or not just get out there and explore it's just so gorgeous more than you could have ever imagined um, when you explore the desert I will say, if you are hunting gambles outside of Las Vegas, be prepared to hunt more of a scaled quail style bird because it is much more sparse out here. There's mm. not a ton of ground cover like some spots in Arizona. And those little suckers will just, they put, <laughs> they strap their Nikes on tight and they just keep running and running. And yeah, I hunted without dogs when I first started hunting. And if we saw them going, out in the distance over a ridge i would take off running <laughs> like i would just be sprinting through the desert just to try and get close enough to try and get them to flush because they don't yeah. like to get up off the ground wow that's when i'd need the cardiac nurse yeah. <laughs> right <on. laughs> yeah. i'd try it once well you know moving on up kind of to the to the northwest um we can we can talk about them individually certainly if you want but um let's look at oregon idaho and washington i've heard uh, you know you mentioned it already but valley quail or california quail just kind of oh all the numbers look good there for those as well but casey if you will take us off on that sure so like lauren mentioned from what we've heard it was really a moist winter up there um, and so it was a little bit late as far as melt off and going into the breeding season, but all of that moisture led to really ideal, like brooding, brooding habitat and just brooding mm. conditions in general. So yeah, Oregon's numbers, Idaho's numbers, Washington's numbers, California quail look really good in those states this year. Mm. So if you're in for a chucker hunt, might as well hit some of those riparian habitats and try for California quail as well. But, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I think Idaho comes to mind um, for me because I was able to hunt there once and we flew into Boise, a former guy that we worked with, Cade Powell, who uh, who lives who lives in Wyoming now. But, um, you know, go to or to go to valley quail hunt and pheasant hunt near boise and then went up into hell's canyon and there were huns there were chuckers there were rough grouse there were blue grouse dusky grouse um they were called blue grouse then so i can say blue grouse um and so it's been a while but um you know just six species within you talk, yeah you talk about the diversity and then they have spruce grouse they have yeah. they have everything there it's epic yeah. On, and on one walk, you could, you know, be in the in the bottom and and in those tight, real tight draws with and get rough grouse. 
Uh, I've got a picture of our, our coworker, Aaron Keels, the bottom of his boots as he's ahead of me about six feet, but I could reach up and touch him. And uh, we were going up to the top where we then flushed uh, Chucker. I said flushed, we shot at Chucker. Um, and then we were able to get uh, Duskies and then on the way out um, of, of Covey Huns. And, you know, that's just amazing in a, in a three hour walk. Uh, we're yeah. able to encounter four species. Yeah, we were in southeast Idaho for the Western Quail Working Group meeting last year, and mm. we hunted southeast, and just in one area, we hunted chucker, hunts, duskies, ruffies, and sharpies. It's, it's and just, sharpies. It's a couple of miles. It's insane. Wow. wow. <laughs> Nate, Nate, Nate. Well, how about across the across the Snake River there and the, into the uh, extreme northwest into uh, Washington and Idaho or in Oregon. Um, um, well, you know, they're, they're special quail. And if you want a challenge as well, steep mountainsides, wet mountainsides, mountain quail are going to be a fun hunt for you. Um, mm. We went for those a couple of years ago and it's also very prickly but it was really an interesting hunt and like i said everything is moist if you want to hunt the west side of the state but mountain quail are really cool um from what i've heard with some of those fires that they had in in california and oregon the last couple of years that creates early successional habitat as it starts to regenerate and mountain quail love that so it's it's getting to be pretty ideal habitats in in some of those ranges Right. Yeah. I was reading that too, that, that, you know, so those fires, intense fires two, three years ago in Oregon in particular, I think was where I was reading, but mm -hmm. so that dog hair thick stands of new regeneration. Um, what I would kind of liken to woodcock cover in the East, just super mm -hmm. thick, like too thick for, for grouse almost. Um, and, but that just really, really new young stands of, of regeneration is that but it sounds like wet steep. just because we were that's where we were hunting they occur into eastern oregon as well and that's okay. more dry but yeah shrubby um mm -hmm. any of those mass producing shrubs are, are kind of good for them and okay they've got a lot Sweet. of that and and i think about west because the moisture just gets into that early successional habitat quicker after a fire okay Okay. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm going back down here to think about Merns, you know, I, I yeah. know one of the things we started looking for was the diggings, you know, you'd find these little yeah. areas where they were digging on the, on the hillside. So when we say wet, like you probably for an Easterner, you wouldn't notice wet, but if you do the scratch no. in the <laughs> scratch in the ground, you'll see that the, the dirt underneath is a different color mm -hmm. and you were finding, you were finding birds in those areas. Is that, is that similar to mountain quail or is it wetter than that? Oh, I'm not sure. I didn't do a lot of scratching. I just know that as I was crossing logs, I was slipping and falling a lot. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I suppose as a desert southwest person, any moisture during the middle of the day, I'm like, oh, it was so wet there. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. But do you have, like you said, you could you could encounter those birds in the eastern portion yeah, of the state absolutely. but 
primarily coastal range species or i mean yeah those coastal mountains i think are some of their more strong populations yeah. and they do go up into washington although it's, it's really low populations there and it's pretty solid down in the coastal range of california as well and yeah. then yeah. also translocated to augment populations in nevada as well so um, okay yeah and from what i've heard they're doing okay so great Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of along that, just just into a very, if I understand right, Lauren, a very small portion of the state, they're they're occurring right on the border, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a small pocket. The Southern Nevada uh, chapter is working to do get a little more data on those. Um, mm-hmm. And this year, their cameras were knocked over by feral cattle, so we didn't get any good counts. But the year prior, we were starting to get some counts. So they're they're definitely there, but they're. If your if your goal is just to get mountain quail, I wouldn't come to Nevada just for that. Yeah, right, right, right. You said feral cattle. Like, if it would have been, if I'd heard feral cat, it would have made sense in, in the east. Like, just cows running out, you know, just, just wild cows yeah. out knocking over trail cameras. Yeah, um, cattle yeah. and horses are, feral horses are a huge problem out here. Oh, right, right. And donkeys too, right? Burrows. Yes, yep. A little bit of, a little bit of all that. It is truly the Wild West. Um, I, I just think for people who love an adventure, who love getting out, and honestly, you all might not, you know, you're both from the West, you're in the West, uh, but, you know, for us to, to be able to take a trip West and not see anyone, not just, you know, out hunting that we're having to kind of follow or move a spot, uh, if you see that, even if you pull up to a parking area and there's somebody there, they're probably not going the way you were, or, you know, just drive two miles down the road and hit another public area. Like the abundance of public land is amazing out West diversity of habitats. Um, spend some, you know, if you're planning it again, spend some time on, on X talk to, we, you know, I, I think bird hunters are pretty great about doing their homework, but send an, send an email to the, I, I won't say give them a call, but send an email to your, uh, you're the small game coordinator or the, or the, um, resident game bird, um, coordinator in the state, uh, or, or the quail forever, um, biologist or regional rep. Casey. I will throw out that, that most of us are, are pretty good about answering, but we're in the field a lot. So sure. if you're contacting the biologist, expect a delay, but we do right. like to help when we can. You can't email today for like this weekend or whatever. I, if you're, you know, this podcast is going to come out so, so around the end of October. If you're if you're going in January, that's enough time you'll get a response. Mm-hmm. Like, be reasonable about it. But you know, our staff uh, we we do have a, a staff map on on quailforever.org. You can look up where our staff are located. Send you know, drop them a line as well and say, hey, I'm thinking about coming out. Could I get? Can you give me any pointers? Um, you know reach out to them, reach out to Lauren. Um, Lauren, you're covering what states out West? California, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico. Awesome. Awesome. And I, uh, I Chad Harvey is, is another rep up in the, he's covering the Northwest. Is that correct? I, I don't know his exact states off the top of my head, but I do know um, Montana is one of his. He's, he's, yeah, he's a little far North of me. Utah would be Bob Hicks. Colorado okay. Bob Hicks. So, yep. Saw Bob Hicks just started the first Quail Forever chapter in Colorado this uh, 
so that's that's an awesome uh, awesome deal there, and uh, glad to see that. Yep, absolutely, Lauren. You got something else? Yeah, I was gonna say, don't be afraid to reach out to your friends that you've made over social media. Some of the my my best friends to to date, and some of the greatest adventures and trips yeah. I've had have been have been meeting strangers online. So yeah. sometimes you know, especially if you live somewhere where you can trade hunts. And you can visit each other during the season. Yeah. You, you can have some epic adventures that way for sure. That sounds like the scariest thing I could tell my kids. Like, just go ahead, go online, meet some strangers, go out. And, no, I know what you mean. Absolutely. And I think you're right. There's a really good tight knit bird hunting community out there that mm-hmm. they're super knowledgeable. They're willing to share. Uh, we were standing in the, uh, uh, standing in a hotel. Well, it was more like an inn, I guess, in, in Arizona. And in walks the, guy with a short hair and he's got a pheasants forever hat on and turns out he's the pelican river chapter president in minnesota and uh and and headed out so you know you're gonna you're gonna meet folks and make lifelong friends and uh i'm i'm impressed by the amount of folks that are in the midwest i know tyler webster uh who's who's a friend of ours and has helped us out a ton on but he has a great podcast where he's he spends a lot of time in the early part of the year, uh, January, February, out in, out in the Southwest and really gets after them. Yeah, he sure does. Birds, booze and buds bot podcast, Tyler Webster, great guy. And I think to, to your point, um, it, there's so many things that if you don't live in the, the West that can be intimidating at first blush, you know, yeah. big, big country. Uh, and you can say, well, I'm scared of getting lost. I'm scared of my dog running off a cliff. I'm scared of cactuses. I'm scared that I'm not um, fit enough to handle it all. It it, it snakes. And honestly, but there there are all sorts of these things when you get out there and do it with a little help and asking for a little bit of advice. It's all very approachable. Uh, um, You know, I think about... um, you know, some of the gambles and scaly hunting I've done it outside of, you know, running after them, which I have had to do it. Mm-hmm. it it's some mm-hmm. of the most relaxed, enjoyable hunting too. Like there's, you think about busting cattails for pheasants or rough grouse hunting through, you know, re- tag alders like that, that can be hard, intimidating, mm-hmm. getting lost too. And when you're out so- in the desert, you know, there, there isn't a ton of stuff. If you avoid the things that want to stab you, uh, there isn't a ton of stuff that's in, you know, resisting you or pulling you back. It's, it's very right. relaxed, easy. And yeah, Merns hunting and chucker hunting can be really challenging going up and down canyons, but it also doesn't have to be. Um, yeah. there, are, there are places where you can find both in a much more approachable landscape. Now it's really epic when, you know, your dogs are on point at the top of a can and you're like, I've got to get there <laughs> and, and yeah. things all work out and it's just magic. But um, it, it's all accomplishable. You just can't let some of these things deter you from giving it a try because when you experience it, you just, you, you get addicted and you want to go back and it is, it's beautiful, beautiful country beautiful birds in its experiences that'll change and mark your life yeah absolutely i'd say find you a ride or die companion and just suck it up and drive that 20 something hours and get in there (laughs) no it's 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 fun but uh it's a little it's a little daunting for sure um well hey let's let's uh 
thank y'all so much for this. We really appreciate it. I think that'll give folks a really good uh, sampler platter, if you will, of the great things that are going on in the in the West. But let's let's talk about some maybe closing thoughts and go around the horn, and we'll start out with Casey. Oh man, I, I guess I don't have any like you guys have mentioned before. It's really exciting to be out here, especially for somebody who grew up in the Midwest. Mm. Like you get addicted to the public land and you get addicted to being able to see for 20 miles with no, no obstructions and uh, the, the running after the birds, it's fun and, and everything about it is exciting. And uh, like we mentioned, there are plenty of like temporary two, three day licenses. So you can try states, you just dabble if you want to, or you could commit. And I know folks who set up residence basically in Southern <laughs> Arizona and New Mexico, cause it's, it's really nice in the winter. So yeah. yeah, we've got a lot of good stuff and I think it'll be a good year to try some different species. Great. Great. Yeah. You mentioned that like setting up residence camping out there is not terrible. It's, it's super nice. And the, you know, daytime could be warm, but it, it gets down at really good sleeping temperatures at night. You're very unlikely to encounter rain. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty easy to, to get things set up and, and camp lots of public land opportunities for that. So great. How about Lauren? What you got? I would say just be prepared. It- it doesn't look cold here, but it can get very, very cold at night, especially oh. January. Um, below freezing, it's just a, it's a dry cold. So definitely don't yes. forget your layers, but oftentimes it's very cold in the morning and then by 2 o'clock you're in a t-shirt. So mm-hmm. um, I also would say there there is a lot of places out here that do not have cell phone service. Um, and I'm often hunting by myself with a small child, so I do carry... Um, like a, a Garmin device that I'm able to send text messages and, or like a SOS type of device, just, just to be safe because right. some of those off-road spots, it could have taken me a few hours to get back there in my truck. Um, and then you're out hiking a few miles. So you can be a long, long ways from civilization. So just yeah, make sure someone absolutely. knows where you're going um, and just be safe about everything. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I think that's a really great point. I think, too, if you're planning on using Onyx, go ahead and download the layers. Don't Absolutely. don't count on having cell service. Go ahead and download those layers so you can use them when you're As out there. Onyx has given me just a whole sense of freedom. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to confidently navigate some of these off-road oh, trails sure. by myself without it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's certainly been a game changer. Um, Bob, you got anything? Hey, you know, I, I'll echo, Laura. I, you're so spot on about the cold temperatures, you know, because you think, yeah. you know, Minnesotan in January going down to Arizona, oh, I'm going to the desert. It's going to be so awesome. And, you know, in the morning, it's it's like 20s, and I've been merns hunting in the snow. Um, and, yeah, it'll burn off by 10 or 11 o'clock, and you're, peeling layers up but but you're absolutely right uh, bring your layers because otherwise you're gonna freeze i've i've camped in arizona overnight and you know the ice uh, you know water was froze 
the next morning, you know. So it's, yeah, it's it's the desert, but it's still cold temperatures. And the other thing that I think about, like we've mentioned the adventure and the beauty of the birds, but uh, I, what I'm left with thinking about is I came for the birds, I stayed for the sunsets, mm. you know, and, and it's like, well, you know, Montana doesn't have the monopoly on big skies. Um, you know, some of the sunsets I've seen in Nevada and uh, Arizona and New Mexico, like purples and fuchsia and like colors that I would never even have thought about the name of them before. Mm. And then you see them sunsetting over the desert and you're like, holy cow, yeah. that's yeah. just glorious. And um, it's, it, you're right. I mean, it's just heading west, January, February is um, really a life-altering thing, you know, whether you're an upland hunter or not. But if you get your bird dog and a best friend or a spouse, um, yeah, it's it's really special. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think um, you, you remind me of this when you're talking about that, um, that Al Iden, our West Region director, always talks in terms of the Western experience. Uh, it's not just the Western hunting experience, but it's that getting people to understand what it means to come out and experience the West. And so I think, you know, we have primarily bird hunters that are listening to, to our podcast, but if you're interested in going one of these days, if it's a life, uh, you know, life list trip for you to go big game hunting out in one of those Western States, take a, you know, take a trip out and go upland bird hunting Mm-hmm. And get get the lay of the land, get the feel for it, get comfortable at a way easier entry level. There is no reason that, you know, if you got dogs or not, you can't go out and, and enjoy um, a Western upland bird experience. Uh, of course, we're talking quail today, but if, that obviously means uh, that you could encounter a lot of different uh, species along the way. So just... You know, take that into account if you're looking for a good excuse. Uh, you use that. If you got those preference points built up in a certain state, don't wait till you get drawn for it. Go out and upland bird hunt it and uh, and enjoy it that way too. And then you'll you'll say that's your trip of a lifetime that you got to go do every year after that, guaranteed. So, um, we want to we want to make sure folks know. We obviously have talked about it several times here today, but look look at that um, quail hunting forecast on quailforever.org. You can do the same thing on pheasantsforever.org and look at the pheasant forecast. Um, you know, listen to our podcast, of course, we, you're doing that. But we we want to have this as a, a, a little bit of an introduction to those forecasts. Check all the states out. Um, getting back to, again, once we just want to make sure you don't have a limitation. And if there's a limitation to you getting out and enjoying the experience because you're nervous about uh, maybe, you've hunt, maybe you hunt pheasants in the Midwest. You know, maybe it's in the in the east somewhere and you just aren't sure about those species. We've got a new resource out there on our website, How to Hunt Upland Birds. Uh, it's a great resource. A lot of good partners went together to, to, to do this collaborative effort. But go to pheasantsforever.org slash how to hunt and you can check that out. So that's one more thing that, that is, shouldn't be a limiting factor to you. Go, go watch those or video series they're inter- they're they're entertaining but they're super informative done by a lot of great professionals in the in the field so check out those check out our our forecast and get out after right on and and as we close uh always follow that dog including out west 
because uh, they know the smell of scalies, merns, mountain quail, chucker, and something good will rise, including an epic sunset. So thanks for listening, folks. For Casey Cardinal, Lawrence Stamm, and Andy Edwards, I'm Bob St. Pierre saying get out there and experience Western Quail. Thanks, folks.